What if you could learn and apply study tips used by some of the smartest people on the planet? And what if these people weren't the smartest, but they just did things differently and got better results in school and in life? And what if you could learn their habits and their skills, apply it to your life, and also get better results? Hi, I'm Assistant Professor Dr. Scott Straub, and that's why I created Super Student, Superhuman. Because I was once a struggling student, I failed at everything, but I learned a few tips along the way that changed everything in my life, and I want to share those with you in this podcast series. So let's get started. Giddy up. In this episode, I'd like to talk about the study habits of the people who are widely considered some of the smartest on the planet. You probably guessed it, doctors. At the very least, these people go through some of the most rigorous programs you could ever imagine. That's medical school. Just to get into medical school, you have to pass something called the MCATs. I've helped a few people study for them. They're brutal. If they're lucky enough to get through the MCATs and get into medical school, the attrition rate is through the roof. The only thing that's guaranteed is that they're going to spend several hundred thousand dollars. There's no guarantee they're going to get through medical school and then all the residency and all the other requirements to get their medical license. So what I did was I interviewed over 25 doctors and some nurses as well. I want to find out what made them survive while so many others didn't. What made them get through the programs that they did? What techniques did they use? Were they all just gifted and blessed? Or did they do things differently to help them study and learn over everybody else? And they absolutely did some things differently. So let me tell you where I got the idea for this particular episode. I actually got it on the floor of my doctor's office. And why was I on the floor? It's probably not a normal place for people to be. I recently had to travel, so I needed an inoculation. Not a big deal for most people, but for me, needles are just a little bit of a deal. It's, well, my biggest fears in life for the longest time were public speaking, that was 1A. Needles, 1B, but they could be reversed on any given day. They were both well above death, my fear of death. Uh, I also had a healthy fear of girls and squirrels. I've got over the girls and the public speaking, still kind of scared of squirrels, and I'm still really scared of needles. So I go into the doctor's office. I'd never met the doctor before, and I the woman came in. They put you in this little room, right? And I'm getting pretty nervous. She finally comes in after about 15 minutes. I think they wait outside just to make you, make you sweat a little bit. But anyway, she comes in, really nice woman. I'm sure she's going to listen to this. And she asked me what I needed. I told her. She said, absolutely no problem. And I told her, listen, you just got to do it quick. You got to just get the needle. I don't want to see it. Please talk to me. I'll turn my head. My sleeve's already rolled up. I am ready to go. Let's just get in and out. She says, no problem. She turns around. She opens that drawer. You know, it's the drawer with the needles in it because that's where the needles are. I could hear the little package being unwrapped. Oh, joy. My blood pressure's gone through the roof. My heart rate's up. She starts talking to me. I was thankful. Well, she asked me what I did for a living. I said, well, currently I'm a teacher. I teach college right now. I'm a college professor, assistant professor, but I used to teach sixth and ninth grade science. Well, she has a daughter who's in sixth grade who's struggling. So I'm sitting in a little chair across the room. She turns around and she starts asking me all these questions about how to help her daughter study. She's standing about a foot and a half away from me. She has the needle right here, right in front of my face. And she's looking down at me and I'm trying to look at her in the eyes, but all I can do is stare at that damn needle. And me and the needle are making eye contact and I am getting lightheaded. And she probably doesn't notice this. It, it 
it seemed like about 25 minutes. It was probably only about 90 seconds. But after about 90 seconds, I lost consciousness. In fact, I really don't know what we're talking about at all. And I slid out of that plastic chair and I landed on the ground and I whacked my head. And when I whacked my head, I came to. And when I came to, she was hovering over me along with nurse and a few other doctors, asked me if I was okay. And I said, well, you might as well give me the needle now because I can't really move. So they gave me the needle. Wasn't that big of a deal. And as I started to come to, they gave me some apple juice. I was sitting up. We all started talking about how they got through school because I said I teach study skills and I wanted to know from them. So I got the idea that how about I interview doctors, mostly doctors and nurses if I could find them and find out what made them tick. And that's where this episode came into being. Sorry if that was a long story, but it, it was important. So here are some of the things that they told me when I interviewed them. Number one, they said, every single one of them said the time management was critical for them surviving and thriving in school. Absolutely near or at the top for most of them. And then they also got crystal clear on what they wanted, which was to go through medical school, not just to go through medical school, but to do incredibly well. Why? Because lives are on the line. I mean, they're going to do surgeries and prescribe medications and do research. Lives are affected by all of these things. So they wanted to do incredibly well, and I was appreciative of that. Uh, a lot of them said that they started to exercise where they never really did before. Why? Because there's a strong correlation between exercise and learning. Meaning when you exercise, you release chemicals and hormones into the body, into the blood, into the brain that help you learn and retain more. And then lastly, they started talking about different study habits, how they studied, when they studied, why they studied. They started talking about those things. So I'm going to talk about time management, getting crystal clear, exercising, another podcast. That's going to be another day. But I want to talk about study tips in particular. And one doctor, he happened to be a buddy of mine. I knew him from a long time ago. I called him up as well because I wanted to find out how he got through medical school. And Mike and I got to talking and he said that when he went through his undergrad, he wasn't that great of a student. I mean, B's, got his A's, but certainly got some C's, dropped out of a few classes, sounded a lot like me. Actually, I got more C's and D's than, you know, A's. But he said when he got into medical school, he really wanted to nail it. He wanted to do better. So he started doing things differently from day one. So he said what a whole bunch of doctors also said as well. He said what he would do is before each class, if possible, he would always try to find out what material was going to be taught that day. Said in medical school wasn't really that hard because there was a syllabus, they had textbooks, or some of the stuff was online, right? Uh, more and more stuff is online now that wasn't quite so much back when he was doing it about 10 years ago. But he said he wanted to find out what concepts what was coming up. So he'd open up the book and he would look over that chapter, that unit, or that section. He wanted to find out what some of the keywords were, what some of the terminology was that he would have to know during class. Maybe some of the charts and graphs, right? So he said when the professor started going over in class, he was less stressed because he already knew what the textbook looked like. He knew what charts and graphs and definitions were in there. So he could spend more time listening and less time frantically writing everything down, right? So by the time the lecture ended, he had now seen the information twice. Now, the first time he looked at it, he didn't really know it. He was just getting a rough overview, but he listened really well in class, took notes, obviously, right? But he was able to sit there and really 
absorb the material where other most other students were frantically writing because they had no idea what that lecture was going to be about. And then he said something which I thought was mind-blowing because several other doctors said the same thing that I interviewed. As soon as class ended, what he would do is stay for about two to five minutes and look over his notes. Now, he did something called the Cornell note-taking method. I'll talk about that in a future episode. But basically, it's where you leave about a third of the page on the right blank. So when you look over your notes, you can write down the very, very important things. You can summarize things, maybe make a quick sketch or graph of it. Just a way to really compress the learning in your mind. Make it yours. Own it. So that's a very typical thing that students do. He said he would look over his notes, make a few quick things, and then if the professor was there, he could ask him questions, right? Or he could ask another student. So he'd stay about five minutes and do that, where everybody else ran off to Starbucks. He said... By that time, he had now seen or heard or listened to that information three times in about a two or three hour period where everybody else had only heard it once. And then he said at night, even though he's burnt out from a day, he had a part-time job in medical school, big no-no, but he had to make ends meet. He said he would spend a couple minutes, no more than five each class. He would look over his notes and once again, just think about some of the hard concepts, definitions. And he said by the end of the first day, he had now seen the information usually three to four times. And I will tell you, students that I've interviewed from around the world who are in rigorous programs, and we're talking everywhere from elementary school through graduate school and everywhere in between, this is something that they did over and over and over again. They spent more time working hard on the first day in the first 24 hours so they could work a lot less down the road. So my buddy Mike said, listen, I graduated number two out of 330 people in my medical school program because I did things differently than virtually every other student and I got better results. So I think we could all learn from that. He wanted to do stuff. He wanted to work hard, but he wanted to work very, very smart. So down the road when the tests and quizzes came, he didn't have to stress and stay up the night before and do all the things that normal students do. So that's what doctors told me over and over again. Now I'd like to talk about what some of the research shows us about learning over time. So now let's, let's put on our research cap here and take a journey way, way back to the 1880s. There's a gentleman by the name of Herman Ebbinghaus. He was born in the 1850s, but in the 1880s, he started researching how quickly people forget information. Uh, he, was a, he was a trained psychologist, and he wanted to find out how people forgot information, how long it took for them to forget. And what he found out was he studied people over a five-year period from 1880 to 1885. And from what he called original learning to first review, original learning is when you first heard it, the concepts, the facts, whatever it might be, to the time that you reviewed it the first time, the second time, the third time. What he found out was over the first 24 hours, the biggest drop in memory occurred. So if you did not, if his students actually, if the people that he researched did not look at that information first review within 24 hours, most of them forgot 50% or more of the information. And then it just went downhill from there. And I think we can all learn from that. And we probably actually know that's true. How many times in school have you learned something and then didn't look at it for days or maybe even a week went by before you even looked at the material and it was almost like you had never heard it before. 
So what Ebbinghaus did was exactly what my buddy Mike did. He spent a lot of time in the first 24 hours looking and thinking about the material. So down the road, he could remember it better. And that's exactly what Ebbinghaus found. If people made their reviews, their first review, their second review, their third review, much quicker, meaning they didn't spend, there wasn't day lapses in between each review session. Like if they didn't wait three or four days in between each review review session, they memorized and retained lots more information. So that was one of the things when I first studied started studying Ebbinghaus that I wanted to relay to you was that idea of doing things quickly. The, the second thing that Ebbinghaus talked about was this idea of re- reinforcement and repetition, meaning he said that the people who worked harder at studying, and there's a lot of different ways to do that, but they spent a little bit more time, tried to make things meaningful. Maybe they use mnemonics. There's a lot of different ways to make things stand out in the mind, um, in your mind. The people who spent a little bit more time retained a lot of information over the long haul. They tried to make things interactive in their mind. And this idea of overlearning and studying quickly has been studied for now about 130 or 140 years. And people, researchers now know that it's incredibly important to get to your stuff quicker, to study your stuff quicker, and do it before days and days go by. So I hope that little lesson helps you or perhaps you're learning this for someone that you love, maybe you're a teacher, uh, do better in school. Let's take those habits, those same skills and apply them in our own lives. Join us each week wherever you listen to your podcasts or you can listen on my website, theprofessorscott.com slash podcast or you can watch it on YouTube and you can find that YouTube link on my website as well. Once again, that's theprofessorscott.com slash podcast. Stay successful, folks. You got this.